Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with Dave Barry, Pulitzer Prize-winning writer and columnist, and the author of several books for children, including Science Fair and the best-selling Peter and the Starcatchers series. Barry's latest middle-grade novel, The Worst Class Trip Ever, is being published in May by Disney Hyperion, which is sponsoring this podcast. In The Worst Class Trip Ever, eighth grader Wyatt Palmer and his classmates are headed from Florida to Washington, D.C. on what seems like an ordinary field trip that'll probably involve bad food, bad hotels, and lots of monuments. But after an encounter with two strange men on their flight, Wyatt and his friends quickly find themselves wrapped up in a high-stakes adventure that involves multiple kidnappings, stolen goods, and a possible terrorist threat against the United States. Uh, Dave, thanks for speaking with me. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So the book opens with an incident involving an alligator on the front lawn. I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping this is not something you had to draw from uh, personal experience for? Well, not exactly. Uh, I was trying to describe um, what it's like for a kid who lives in Miami, how Miami is different from other places. And one of the major differences I've noted, I came from the Northeast, I grew up in New York and Pennsylvania, uh, is the wildlife down here. It's wilder. Um, We have monster snakes around. But we also have uh, alligators uh, and occasionally a crocodile. And they're not necessarily where they're supposed to be. There's canals all through Miami, and alligators live in these canals, but sometimes they come out, and, and it's not that uncommon for them to show up in people's swimming pools, uh, on their lawns. Um, I'm not saying this happens every day, but I have seen alligators in my neighborhood. Um, so I, I wrote a scene just where this, this kid is describing where his dad goes out to get his Miami Herald uh, and encounters an alligator on their front lawn, and it doesn't go well for the dad. <laughs> I mean, he's not killed or anything, but it's very embarrassing for him. And of course, that makes it extra embarrassing for his uh, son because whatever happens, I mean, there's nothing more embarrassing to a kid in middle school than his dad or his mm-hmm. mom. And I think you wrote in, uh, in somewhere early on there that, uh, you know, basically the city is a swamp and the animals pretty much still think it, it belongs to them. Yeah, we, we, we think that, that it's a, a city. They think it's still the Everglades, and they're basically right. <laughs> <laughs> so now you've published numerous books for adults uh, and several for children along with uh, Ridley Pearson, but this is the first one you've done uh, for kids on your own, right? Yes, correct. Uh, not too lonely of an experience, I hope, after working so much with, uh, with Ridley? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different experience. I really loved working with Ridley. We had an incredible amount of fun with the Starcatchers, uh, both writing them and, and talking about them. Um, but I, I mean, in, in the end, there's also there's a certain uh, tension when you, you work with somebody else. You don't, it's not yours entirely. Um, this was a story that I just had in my mind um, for quite a while, actually. And it, it just felt good to be able to write it um, on my own. Where did the uh, ideas for this one particularly come from? A, a couple of things. Um, one is that uh, my daughter, Sophie, uh, goes to public school down here in Miami. And uh, a couple of years ago, when she was in fifth grade, um, she's in a, she was in a Spanish-language um, magnet program. And their end-of-the-year trip, for some of them, was to go to Spain, which was pretty cool. They actually attended a, a, a school over in Spain. And my wife, Michelle, and I were chaperones on that trip. Um, it was a great experience. We enjoyed it. But I, it occurred to me while we were on the trip, this is kind of an interesting um, 
plot potential thing because you have kids who are sort of outside of their usual element they're they're traveling somewhere else they're not supervised as closely as they are as when they're in school more things can happen um, on a class trip the people watching over them are for the most part amateurs like um, my wife and and myself so i just thought that that's got my my thinking about doing a uh, a story where a class trip goes wrong and then um my daughter the same girl now now she's in high school she just started but when i was writing this book she was in middle school and i just thought middle school was kind of a an interesting time to um to write about because you know everybody's going through puberty and everybody it's like all different levels of maturity happening and lots of hormones raging and it's just an you know interesting time socially for the kids so just mm-hmm. put those two ideas together, and that's where this book came from. Okay. And were you able to pull anything from uh, that trip and you specifically in the uh, in the story at all, or only only in the sense that you know I realized how easy it would be for kids to just drift off, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, not that I recommend kids doing that, but it could happen mm-hmm. on a class trip well, <laughs> more kid- easily than when they're in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kids in this book are quite good at getting away when they need to. Uh, they're good drifters. Well, I, I gave them a less than. Um, stellar uh, teacher to, to put in charge of it uh, he's not he's not the sharpest um tack and and so so that makes it a little easier for them They're, the kids are, are pretty smart in this mm-hmm. and is it right that this is going to be a series possibly oh yeah well i intend to write a second one um in fact that's kind of what i'm thinking about this very day uh as you called i'm not sure what the exactly it's going to be set in miami and it's going to be the same kids a little bit older maybe uh now there's their ninth grade coincidentally that's where my daughter is so it's i can sort of keep track of what's going on with kids at that time okay now i know this book is not you know a sequel to science fair or anything like that but it does seem just to share some some themes with it in terms of these ordinary kids getting mixed up in the world of uh international intrigue and danger was that sort of on your mind at all or then just in terms of uh something you also like to do with uh with your books i yeah i like the idea of um kids suddenly dealing with something that's really not in anywhere near their their realm of expertise or you know something they don't know much about don't think much about it sort of forces them out of their comfort zone or or their discomfort zone of being you know adolescent kids and suddenly instead of thinking about you know does so and so like me or who do i sit with in the cafeteria um, they have to think about some huge problem and for the most part they don't want it you know that that's not they're not looking to be heroes um that's the kind of kid i like to have in my book, a kid who really isn't doesn't think of himself or herself as a hero, but has to step up, has to do something major, um, and, and also the element of, you know, the the grown ups don't usually quite get what's going on. I mean, they they I like the idea of the kid figuring something out that the grown ups haven't figured out yet, um, and and having to to cope with that as well. You know, nobody believes you because I think that's sort of a um, that's sort of a feeling kids have anyway that, you know, grownups don't take them seriously. Don't, and, and I like to use that as sort of a, a motive in the, in the book. Mm-hmm. You know, despite the, uh, the modern setting for the, for the book, it almost reminded me a little bit of some of those sort of like 60s era comedic thrillers, like movies like Charade and things like that, where you've got a blend of humor and some dire high stakes and a little bit of romance. Is that uh, something you'd like to do with your fiction? Sort of try to meld those things, take, take, you know, blend, use humor, of course, but then also, you know, address some more serious things at the same time. 
Yes, I, I always like it to be, I mean, with science fair, same way. I mean, not so much with the Starcatcher series, which were more conventional adventure series. But with science fair, this one, I like it. I really want it to be funny. I mean, I want even when things are really not going well at all to try to convey the idea that um, there's real, this is something very serious and very dangerous these kids are dealing with. And it could turn out very badly, but they're still, they still can sometimes see something just truly ridiculous, some element of it. Um, I like to keep it funny. And yeah, that's, that's actually a good comparison to the, the, the kind of caper stories, movies of the 60s, um, where there's a lot happening um, and, it's, and it's adventure and it's, and it's danger, but there's always kind of a light edge to it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I noticed also that you, you, know, you sort of kind of embrace modern technology in the books too. There, you know, some books, some authors are like, well, let me set this in the 70s so I don't have to deal with, you know, <laughs> why doesn't that kid have a cell phone? But instead, you know, in this case, you know, the cell phone actually becomes an important thing and it, you know, they, they, it's something the kids can use as opposed to a plot hole that you're trying to avoid or something. Yeah, I, um, I, I know what you're saying because it, it, it would be easier probably to, to plot a book with no, uh, no technology in it because it changes so fast and the kids know so much more about it than, than we do. But again, I kind of rely on my daughter. I watch her, how she uses her phone, how her friends use their phones. They know, they're so essential to their lives. I cannot imagine setting a book in modern times involving um, teenagers where, where the cell phone didn't play a major role. I really can't. Um, and in a way, it can bail you out. I mean, they end up using their phones uh, in this book in interesting and important ways. Um, so I, I mean, to me, it's, it, it's, it's better to have them than not to have them as a plotter. But you do get a little nervous about it sometimes. <laughs> like, am I, you know, is this going to ring true or is it going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about? Uh, that's where I test things on my daughter, who, of course, knows absolutely everything that you can do with an iPhone or well, Mm-hmm. You know, as of as of now, mm-hmm. <laughs> this week, yes, yeah, um, day, yeah. Um, so, speaking of uh, feeling nervous a little bit, I, I did want to ask, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Were you, were you at all iffy about the idea of you know, again, when you're blending sort of humor and seriousness about the idea of sort of taking potential terrorist threats against the U.S. and sort of you know using humor in a story and combining those things, or do you think that's the sort of thing that you know we need to be doing? Well, you know, again, it's, I mean, there's always the danger, I should clarify, that, you know, events will overtake you and then you'll write a book where, you know, in this case, there is an attack involving the White House that ends fine in the book, you know, and, and God forbid there should be an attack that doesn't end fine between now and whenever. Um, but um, the other side of that coin is um, if you're going to talk about a danger that's really big, and I was looking for these kids to be dealing with something really big. Um, the, you know, a real danger in a world that these, these kids have grown up in. These, you know, my daughter was born um, the year before 9-11, as most of these kids have grown up with, you know, the memory of 9-11 or at least the, the, uh, the, the horror of 9-11 hovering somewhere in the background. Um, you, you know, you, you kind of have to acknowledge it if you're going to uh, present their world as they, as they live it. Um, so... You know, I, again, it, there's there's pros and cons, but I, I felt it was worth it to 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 be able to present a big risk, a big story for these kids to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So now, of course, a lot of folks are familiar with your nationally syndicated column that you wrote for so many years. Um, 
did having to write that and being responsible for that sort of you know amount of output and that thing does, does that how did that affect your when you approach a novel whether it's for children or adults is that all writing to you or did you find them tackling them in, in very different ways well yeah the writing process um, the thinking about it process is quite different um, with my columns uh, I was interested in only one thing which is is it funny um, and each line, I wanted it to be funny. And I didn't care if I made a point or not. Usually, I didn't have any point to make. I didn't care if the beginning and the end had anything to do with each other, as long as you were still laughing. Um, so structure was not the critical issue. Just the jokes, that was the critical thing. With, with novels, both for adults and for kids, um, the, absolutely, the, pre, the, the most important thing is story. And that means thinking about a plot and, and coming up with a, a plot that makes some sense, that's compelling, that doesn't disappoint at the end. And that's hard to do. Um, so I, I tend to spend a lot more time thinking about what I'm going to write than writing when, when I'm writing um, novels, either for kids or grown-ups. Um, in the end, I, it still is – it comes down to writing. Once you've figured out what the, the plot is, um, I write – pretty much every day. I always have. I did when I was writing columns and I do now. So that part feels like normal. I you know, get up and I go back and to my office, and, which is the back of the house, and start uh, tapping the keyboard. Um, it's just the kind of thinking about what I'm going to tap mm-hmm. <laughs> that's changed. Okay. And, um, you know, we spoke a little earlier about uh, the Peter and the Star Catchers. You know, that series has done very well on its own, and it's also, you know, spawned a stage adaptation that's been on and off Broadway for a couple of years now. Um, what, what was it like seeing the success of that particular series and, you know, the, what it sort of uh, spawned afterward? It was, it was fantastic um, and pure and, you know, one of those just joyously unexpected good things that comes into your life. And, you know, we, Ridley and I spent, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years on that, that sort of took, I don't think either one of us saw that coming, how much of our lives was going to be swept up by the, by the Starcatcher series, both writing them, touring for them. We did a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, presentations, millions of schools and kids, you know, just a different kind of world for us, trips to Disney World, signings at Disney World, that kind of thing. And then to see it made into a play, uh, we didn't have as much of an uh, we didn't have any really active role in that. Uh, they were very nice and and kept us posted along the way as it was developed. But that was you know Rick Ellis wrote that it was a it was his his work not our work. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it was just wonderful to you know to sort of bask in it. It did very well. It got good reviews. It's still out there. So that that that's that's been really it's been tremendous fun. Hmm. Do you miss working on the? those stories and spending time with those characters? Were you ready to move on to, to new ideas by the time that, that series wrapped up? I, was, I felt ready to move on. I think Ridley did as well. I mean, we, we, we were going to write one, then we were going to write a trilogy, and it ended up being five. So it's like, hmm. um, and I suppose we left room, you know, I suppose that someday there could be another one. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, I kind of felt, I, I think Ridley would agree, that we'd really done it. I mean, we did it from the very beginning to modern times um, with pretty much the same characters in the same universe. And that, that it felt finished to us when we finished it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, getting back to this book, are, are you planning to sort of get out there and talk to kids uh, when this book comes out? Will you be doing events? 
I, I, I assume I'll be doing some. I don't think there's like a major tour planned. I don't know, though, to be honest. Um, but I, I do expect to be talking to kids, which will be interesting. I'm not sure what I'll say to them. Because <laughs> <laughs> with fiction, you always just want to say, well, it's a story. Read it. You know? <laughs> Hope you like it. You know? And hopefully so. don't get too many uh, glares from the, uh, the principals and chaperones who might be in, in the audience as well. Oh, yeah, we hope that they have a good sense of humor. Well, we we'll tell them not, the grown-ups should not read it, just the kids. Uh-huh. And have you considered writing for, I don't know, teens or maybe a picture book? Or is this middle school audience uh, feeling like something of a sweet spot for you? Well, it, it's kind of, I, am, I don't know. I guess that's kind of what I ended up writing that age for, you know, when Ridley and I wrote Science Fair, we kind of picked that age group. And I still kind of like that age. I, I think that when you get to writing for older kids, you know, you have to bring in um, dystopia and vampires and cancer and, you know, it has to get heavier. I, I, think. Mm-hmm. Um, I still kind of, I'm sort of happiest with a, a kind of a rambunctious story where, but, but, but not heavy, not, not like, you know, you got to sit down and cry at the end of it. That just isn't me. It never has been. Um, and so I'm, I'm, yeah, I guess this is where I'm happiest. Okay. And is there anything else uh, in the works either for, for kids or adults that your readers should know about? Well, I have a book coming out in March. It's for adults. It's a, uh, a book about, uh, it's just, it's a book of original essays. Um, it's, and, and that'll come out in March. Um, but other than that, nothing. This my next goal, my next job, and my next project is to write a, a next book in this uh, series, following uh, the worst class trip ever. Excellent. Well, uh, thank you again for speaking with me, and uh, congrats on the new books. Thank you, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Once again, I've been speaking with Dave Barry, whose latest book for children is "The Worst Class Trip Ever," out in May from Disney Hyperion. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast. 